everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Comic Source Podcast. I'm your host, Jace. This is another creator on Spotlight. We're going to be talking today about a Zoop campaign for a really interesting project called Imposter Syndicate. I have the writer, Matt D. Wilson, here joining me, and he's going to tell us all about it. So, Matt, thanks for taking the time. Thanks for having me on, Jace. I really uh, appreciate it. Yeah, so... Uh, I know this has been a long gestating project and I want to, I want to kind of get into that, but I suppose yeah. we should probably start off by telling all our listeners what this uh, imposter syndicate book is all about. Yeah. So I've always been kind of fascinated by the idea of supervillains always seeming to die and then figuring out a way to come back. They, you know, if you watch enough, superhero cartoons or read enough superhero comics, you'll see the evident death of so many bad guys or, or at the, at a minimum, the severe injury of those characters. And then, you know, a year later, some number of issues later, they managed to find their way back. And this sort of key question of imposter syndicate is, well, what if, you know, when they die in that blimp expo- explosion, they really did die and somebody got hired to replace them. Uh, what if actors are getting hired to replace supervillains so that the stories can keep going? So that's the idea. There's this shadowy organization that we don't really know what their deal is at the start that is hiring actors to replace actual supervillains and portray them out in the world fighting superheroes. So that raises a lot of interesting questions. First of all, so this is a world where obviously superheroes, supervillains exist. Yeah. Um, there must be people behind the scenes kind of pulling strings, making money off them in some way. I mean, at the end of the day, it's all about the, the dollar bills, right? Um, for sure. What about when it comes to superpowers? I mean, I, I, again, I don't don't want to spoil too much, but you know, is it a is it um, you know world where these people are they mutants? Do they get their powers uh, from equipment, or do they take a magic pill? Like, what's going on uh, in terms of being able to just okay, I'm an actor, but I don't have any powers. How am I able to kind of fill that role? Yeah. So it's. I think what we'll discover, what readers will discover is that it's, it's different things for different people because like in, you know, regular superhero comics, there are different tiers of supervillains. So there are the kind of low level scrubs who only, you know, fight and do street crime. And then there's the really high level people who have, you know, near unfathomable power. So our lead, we, we kind of see everything through the eyes of one lead character in the first two issues. Uh, his name is John and he's this really down and out down on his luck actor. Who's, you know, doing kids birthday parties at this point <laughs> uh, as, but, and, and essentially in this world, actors, even if they're not becoming actual supervillains, they're portraying superheroes and supervillains all the time as all of popular culture is superheroes and supervillains in this world, because they're just the biggest thing uh, there is. And so 
when he gets the offer to be this kind of third string supervillain who wears a gorilla costume named the Bonobo, um, in his case, it's just the costume that does all the work for him. It's, it's, you know, this incredibly dense tensile material that makes him stronger and makes him more uh, able to take a beating. Um, so in his case, it's the costume, but, you know, I'm sure we'll discover that for other characters, it's, it's different means depending on whatever their powers are. So that's kind of one of the, the questions to answer as the, the series progresses. Gotcha. Understood. So this comes out of, uh, you know, this idea, cause uh, I feel like we're of a similar age, you know, grew up reading comics. Yeah. Yeah. It's like every, you know, 12 months, here comes Dr. Octopus again, or here comes Hammerhead or, you know, Two-Face or or whatever. And somewhere in the back of your mind, like, how do they keep taking these beat? I always thought even more so than taking a beating or, or you know, a seeming death, how many times they've thrown in the river, it ends with some bubbles coming uh-huh. up to the surface that, you know, yep. uh, next page or next issue. Uh, I searched for Hammerhead, but I never found him. Um, I always thought, God, they're, they sure do get out of jail really quickly. They get out of prison really quickly. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. So yeah, this idea comes comes out of that and tw- twenty years in the making, huh? Twenty years in the making. I had this idea in two thousand three, and I know for a fact that that's when I had the idea because that is the year that Marvel relaunched its Epic line uh, because that was. It was in the final issue of Marvel where it described what the epic line, the new version of the epic line was going to be, where they were going to take pitches from anybody. And so I I was 19 at the time, and I thought, I could pitch a comic to Marvel. I, I Sure. Th- th- this They'll love my ideas. So I came up with this idea for a book where some of the – Lower level, lower string supervillains, the third stringers are are getting replaced just to, you know, put somebody out there because Spider-Man needs to fight somebody that week. Uh, and so that, that was the original idea of the book. It was going to have Marvel characters in it. And uh, it was it, the lead character was originally um, the Gibbon. Mm. And. Marvel, you know, rejected it, obviously. <laughs> I think only two or three epic books ever even came out. I remember the Crimson Dynamo book, uh, but I don't remember too many more coming out from the epic line at all. But anyway, when Marvel rejected it, I spent a while retooling it, reworking it into kind of more of a broad parody Um, Because I was always a fan of the tick and I loved the sort of like satirical superheroes of the tick. And that's always that it sort of inspired me here to create those sorts of characters for, for this story. So I, I developed it into something more like that. And that took some time. And uh, by the time I had everything scripted out, you know, I tried to connect with some artists, but I had no money to pay them out of pocket back then. And there were no crowdfunding websites. And so every attempt to just sort of fell through 
uh, in those years when I was trying to get it made back then. And then I moved on to other projects. I wrote uh, the Supervillain Handbook and Supervillain Field Manual and Supreme Villainy. I wrote Copernicus Jones' Robot Detective. I worked with the artist on this new project, Rodrigo Vargas, on a book called Everything Will Be Okay. And then finally, last year, when a project that I had been working on for quite a while just completely fell through, and I didn't really have anywhere to go with it anymore, I realized that that 20-year span was was coming up, that, that it had been that long. And I said, I, I really got to make this thing. And so I asked Rodrigo if he would be interested, and he said he would be, and he uh, drew some preview pages, and I shopped it around to a handful of publishers, but ultimately we just decided let's uh, let's crowdfund it because I had become aware of Zoop, and I thought it seemed, you know, really interesting and like a good place to try to make this happen. So that's uh, that's how we got here. Yeah. So uh, being that it had gestated for so long, did you have a, a concrete idea of kind of the the tone, you know, you mentioned the, t- uh, the tick and, you know, yeah. having it kind of as a, a satire, but I'm wondering in terms of tone, especially matching that with, uh, Rodrigo style, visually mm-hmm. character designs, that kind of thing. Like how much of that did you have kind of already in your mind? How much did you, and, um, did you, and, uh, I don't really go bounce things, um, you know, back and forth to, to kind of dial in the, the character designs and the, the look of the world. Well, luckily, Rodrigo and I had worked together before, and so I had a pretty good sense of his sensibility and and the look of his art. And, you know, Everything Will Be Okay, that which we worked on together, was somewhat satirical, but also a lot heavier. Um, it was it was like a real existential fear kind of comic. <laughs> and uh, this kind of let him play to full out comedy a little more. And I knew from his previous work, the other work he's done, some of the stuff he's done on everything will be okay, that he would be really well equipped for that. And it it just, it was just sort of like an instant connection. I sent him the script for the first issue. He sort of instantly got it. And the pages he's drawn, I've gotten them. I've when I've gotten them back, he has added jokes that I didn't even have in the script hmm. into um, into the book. Like there's a there's a character that only appears in you know a few panels of issue one, uh, who John just happens to look out the window and see a superhero supervillain fight happening outside, and. Uh, there's this kind of like flash like speedster character fighting this guy in like, you know, one of those crocodile Dundee style hats with right, like yeah. crocodile teeth in it. And his, his name is Dr. Didgeridoo and he just plays a didgeridoo to try <laughs> to uh, fight the superhero. And Rodrigo, again, not in the script at all. Rodrigo added in, a pet crocodile for Dr. Didgeridoo. <laughs> That's <laughs> very funny. And, uh, and the way it all, you know, that whole sequence plays out is like, he made it 10 times funnier in the art. So 
I knew as soon as I saw that, that this was the perfect uh, collaboration because he, he got the tone right away. The sort of like inherent silliness of it all. Uh, he, he nailed it. So we're hearing like these traditional superhero ideas, but kind of turn on their head with, yeah. uh, you know, supervillains being replaced, perhaps superheroes being replaced. We're hearing satire, which, you know, brings in uh, a sensibility of, of humor, whether that be a really dry sense or more kind of farcical. Um, some mystery as well, some mystery elements of the story as well. Like we don't really yeah. know who's pulling the strings or, yeah, you know, that that as well. So, yeah, it's that's the to me, that's the big question of the book is who wants this? Who who has this much interest in keeping superheroes and supervillains fighting uh, and and out on the streets and doing collateral damage and and being visible all the time Um, when John gets hired? to be the bonobo the the other supervillain who recruits him is is very cagey about you know my employer mm-hmm. i i this these are our employers but i can't quite say who they are just know that they have these means to get you out of sticky situations and deep pockets and so john doesn't know either and so through the series, John is going to become curious and investigate who who has hired me. Because, you know, it's it, a big parts of this book are silly, but I'm also digging into my own sensibilities and fears. And I always worry about signing that contract that I end up regretting. Right. immensely <laughs> and so john signs that contract in the first issue he it looks great he thinks it's the job of a lifetime and then there's some unintended consequences that come from him signing on the dotted line yeah a little bit of be, be careful what you wish for there for sure uh, so we know this campaign is for issues one and two do you yep is this a a, a series where you have kind of a finite idea beginning middle and end could it be ongoing like what are your thoughts in terms of structure is it kind of a wait and see thing uh let's see how well the campaign does uh, all of that i, I the, the one thing that i think it's probably not is ongoing i i think it would need a defined end point because at a minimum once you find out who is pulling the strings th- that changes the story pretty fundamentally mm-hmm. um the 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 characters and the idea could continue but that's fundamentally a different story after the people pulling the strings are are revealed so i i could see it becoming you know this is this is pie in the sky kind of thinking um i you know i i, I would imagine i could tell that story in 12 issues or so uh but you know it could become a series of mini series or a kind of its own 
superhero universe that you can tell different stories in with different characters and explore in different ways. Um, but right now I have about five or six issues plotted out. Like I know what happens through all of those. Um, but you know, if a publisher approached me tomorrow uh, or, or once the campaign is over and said, we want to do something this with this, but we'll only give you six. I could finish it in six. I, you right. know, it's, it's, it's pretty flexible in that way. Um, I would love to tell as many stories in this world as I could. Um, but I, I think it's flexible in terms of, you know, how much space the need, the story needs to be told. Gotcha. What made you decide to do the campaign for the first two, uh, two issues to, to kick it off? It felt like a reasonable ask, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, more than anything, I just want to get this idea out there. And a single issue, I a single issue, I think, is is maybe a little too introductory. I want to get into some of the action which we do in the second issue and the second issue introduces a lot more characters and fleshes out the world a good bit more. The the first issue is really focused on John Mm -hmm. and, and his being pulled into this uh, situation. And then the the second issue opens it up a lot more. So I, I wanted to be able to introduce people to more than just the lead character. Um, but just in terms of a monetary consideration, you know, six, like five or six issues would be because I, the, the project, the Zoop is largely to pay Rodrigo Mm -hmm. and a colorist to produce the rest of the artwork. Um, That number might be a little too high. (laughs) Ultimately, uh, to do in one go. So it felt like two issues was the most reasonable ask is yeah, the that best makes way sense. for me to put it. Yeah. I mean, I imagine if you went five or six to try to get the first half of the story, the other part is it's going to take them a long time. It's be a long time between the end of the campaign. And that's another part of it. Yeah. Like I, I wish I could be one of those creators who says the book is done. Uh, we're just doing the crowdfunding project to print it and ship it. Right. Uh, I, I don't, but I don't have that tool set. I don't have the, the pockets to do. I don't have the wallet to do it with. Right. Yeah. And I don't have the artistic skills to do it with. So I, you know, I, the last two Kickstarters I've done for comics. Well, one of them did happen to be essentially finished. And then we just did a trade paperback, but, um, but we had the, extenuating circumstance of having had a publisher uh, Mm -hmm. for Copernicus Jones, but for everything will be okay. You know, we just, we did a Kickstarter and did the arts after the Kickstarter, you know, the Kickstarter paid for the art. And Mm -hmm. ultimately that worked out fairly well. Um, I don't ever want to do all the work that you have to do with a Kickstarter again, which is why Zoop is such a godsend for me. But I, I I think it'll work out fairly well again. We we're all pretty reliable. I know Rodrigo is 
very reliable. And so right. I don't have to worry about, you know, those what it being one of those situations where people pay into a crowdfunding project and then hear nothing and then it just gets canceled. I, right. I'd never, ever, ever want to do that. And uh, I'll make sure we don't. Yeah. Well, the, well, the hope would be that this does well enough that it fun, obviously it funds these first two issues, but then you can even get a head start on the next, the next two, right? Like it goes above its goal and then you can, you know, Hey, hey yeah. Rodrigo start. Here's, you know, here's your page rates. Go ahead and start on the next. That would definitely, that would definitely be the hope. I don't ever want to get too far ahead of myself. Right. And, of course. And yeah. saying, okay, if we make this much, then I can do this and that and whatever. Uh, right now I'm just focused on let's fund the two and get those done and out the door. But if somehow we're lucky enough to exceed our goal and then some uh, that before I took any profit, I think I would say, why don't we start funding issue three, two? Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Well, uh, that's kind of a good reminder for me to remind all of you listeners, uh, the best way you can help out Matt and Rodrigo and the rest of the creative team, other than joining the campaign, obviously you want to get your hands on this amazing story and help them make it come to life. Uh, but maybe it just doesn't sound like it's for you, or maybe it sounds like it's perfect for you, but you just don't have the means right now. The other way you can best help them other than pledging is to uh, just share it on social media. Tell your friends that collect comics, tell your uh, comic shop, Hey, there's this really cool story coming out, this great campaign on Zoop, uh, you know, share the link, share the podcast, whatever, uh, to get as many eyes on it as possible. So anybody who does want to join the campaign, anybody who has the means right now can, uh, can do so. Uh, so I want to talk about some of the uh, rewards that are available or some of the yeah. tiers, Matt. Uh, but before we do that, kind of one more question of sort of about process, because again, I'm so curious that you had this gestating for so long. When you realized how long it had been and, and said, hey, you know, it's time to to get this off the ground and got Rodrigo on board and you you came back to it, were there any changes? Were there anything that had kind of in the ensuing since you'd worked on it, you went, you know what, this might work better with the way kind of things are in the world now? Or were all was everything pretty dialed in from from way back when? What's interesting is aside from a few small details, uh issue one kind of hasn't changed at all. Wow. Ever, ever since I revised it to un, unmarvel at all, mm-hmm. uh, I issue one has, has basically been the same story. What has changed in the years since pretty drastically is everything after that. Um, like I, I like when I first wrote it or, or first had the idea in 2003, first did the pitch, you know, issue one was all I wrote. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I've, I've made changes to it. I don't want to say that I haven't, but it, it's weirdly similar to how it was back then. Issue two on, by contrast is almost entirely different. All those characters are characters I've come up with over that span of time. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had, you know, almost 20 years to sit and think about what would be funny superhero or supervillain characters. What, you know, so in the second issue, there's this long training sequence and 
John is working with some other recruits who are being trained. And so I had all that time to think of the other recruits. I had all that time to think of who his instructors would be. Um, And I had this notion of like, his instructors should be failed superheroes. And so I, I thought of ways that these superheroes could have failed. Uh, The example I've been giving my sort of giveaway that I've been telling everybody about is one of the instructors is a character named fortune's favor and she has luck powers. And the reason she failed as a superhero is because due to her luck powers, crime never actually happens anywhere around her. So she's, (laughs) so she's running all over the city trying to stop crime, but crime is always happening a few miles away. Right. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> that's fantastic uh well i will say that if the that initial story that first issue hasn't changed you know very much at all over the years then i think that's kind of real proof of concept that it was a classic idea to start with uh, it's it's i've had so many ideas that i either forgot about or decided eh it's it, it might have been okay when i thought of it but it, it won't be relevant anymore right by the time I get it done. Um, this one, if anything, it's become more relevant. Like I, I was thinking about this idea of superheroes being mass media entertainment in when we had some Spider-Man and X-Men movies, yeah. you know, and now it's almost every blockbuster that comes out. Um, yeah. so, I, so in that regard, I feel like it's got, it's, it's only stayed more timely and that's a big reason why it's stuck in my head for so long. Yeah. hundred percent. Uh, well tell us, uh, what some of the tiers are, what's available. Obviously you probably yep. get each, uh, individual issue, um, variant covers, that sort of thing. What, what are some of the other uh, rewards that are possible? Yeah. Uh, so there's, you know, the basics, there's a, a digital version where you can get, uh, you know, both issues digitally. There's, there's print of just well i think print is going to be both issues no matter what but um you can get individual issues digitally um the big thing that i'm most happy about and uh proud of is we have a variant cover by erica henderson who is a friend of mine who is one of my favorite artists ever uh so she's she's working away on that variant cover now uh rodrigo will do commissions for a very select number of uh, supporters. So you probably want to get on that quick. Um, We have a retailer bundle for if retailers want to order some copies. You can also get drawn into the book uh, in a crowd scene. Uh, There's, there's a limited number of uh, in a tier to actually, you'll send us a picture and we'll, Rodrigo will draw you into the as a background character. Uh, and then there are some tiers where you can not just get this book, but get uh, a bunch of my other work. Um, the the novel I wrote a few years ago, Supreme Villainy, Everything Will Be Okay, uh, stuff like that as well. So that's most of it, I think. I'm probably forgetting something, um, but those those are a lot of the things that are available in the different tiers. Oh, yeah. book plates, signatures. Right. Uh, so, yeah. So everybody go to zoop 
Gg and check it out. It went, by the time this podcast is out, the campaign will be live. Or if you're having trouble finding it, just go to the show notes. I'll put the link in there, uh, and you can go and check it out. I'm very curious to see what the Erica Henderson uh, variant cover is going to be like. If if you're trying to place that name, you're like, oh, I know the name, I know the artist. So I think most people know her from Unbeatable Squirrel Girl yep. um, at Marvel. Uh, she has a, a kind of a, this classic animation style, very clean lines. So yeah, she's uh, she's amazing. So. Uh, well, Matt, as we're winding down here, anything else you want to uh, share with our listeners? Mainly, uh, yeah, go back to Zoop if if you can. Share it if you don't have the means to do so. And uh, if folks want to find me and my other work, uh, you can just go to mattdwilson.net. It has links to all those books that I mentioned that I have written in the past. It also has links to... Uh, my own podcasts, which include uh, War Rocket Ajax, which is my comics and pop culture podcast, Movie Fighters, which is a very original idea where uh, my friend Chris Sims and I make fun of movies, and uh, also Friends Till the End, which is the podcast I do with Erica Henderson and Benito Serino about uh, the te- television show Chucky. Okay. Wow. Fantastic. Uh, We'll put a link to Matt's uh, website in the show notes as well, everybody. So you can go click there, find it. Uh, And I'm sure it has links. to. Are you active on social media at all? You have links to all that. Yeah. Yeah. All my social medias are there. I'm pretty much either the Matt D. Wilson or Matt D. Wilson everywhere. And I'm really most active on like Twitter and Mastodon. So uh, I'm, the Matt D. Wilson on Twitter, just Matt D. Wilson on Mastodon. I, I should be pretty easy to find. Fantastic. So uh, links in the show notes, everybody. Uh, again, highly c- encourage you. Go check it out. Just take a couple minutes. Go check it out. There's some preview pages on the Zoop. Uh, it looks hilarious. I can't wait to check it out. So uh, best of luck with the campaign, Matt. Hopefully we're, we'll be having you on before we know it for issues three and four uh, after successfully funding and fulfilling the first campaign. Thanks so much, Jess. Jace. So, yeah, no problem. Uh, so to you listeners, I want to thank you uh, also for taking the time. We really appreciate you joining us and we'll talk to you next time. You can find the Comic Source podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening and we'll talk to you next time.